1: Welcome to episode 273 of the Plan Simple Podcast. Today, we get to talk to the amazing Masami Covey. You're going to be so excited by what we dive into in this conversation, because truly, this woman is so good at explaining things about our brain and our bodies, which to be honest, are really complex and she's really good about making it down to earth so that we can really understand what's happening. So I'm going to tell you all about her in one minute, but first I just have a couple of announcements. First of all, my chat with her is really our first interview of 2021, which is so cool. And I just want to put out there that we will have an interview every Wednesday for the foreseeable future. So I'm so excited to be bringing this back and I have some amazing people to talk to. It is so exciting what's coming up. We're going to be diving into our health and wellness and our bodies. We're going to be diving into motherhood and what it means to balance that. We're going to have some episodes on entrepreneurship. In the month of May, I'm actually bringing on my teachers, the teachers who have meant the most to me. May is my birthday month, and I want you to meet them in person. So it's just really exciting. I'm so excited for all the things that are coming up. Also, guess what? We're going to have camp this summer. So stay tuned for that because that is going to be super fun. All right, what else is going on? So the other thing that's going on is that we just wrapped up a challenge and the goal of the challenge was to really get you thinking big, to really understand what it is that you want so that we can get out of really just trying to survive and thrive. And I'm finding that at this time, This is a really important gesture. So I think that this is work that's important to do whenever you're in the midst of a transition. And we seem to be in the midst of a more global transition as this episode is going live. So if that resonates with you, go to the Plan Simple website and find that challenge and really get yourself out of survival mode. It's a good one. All right. So, the other big thing that's happening is that the doors to flow enrollment is opened for the spring core, cohort of flow. Flow is either a 365 or 90 day adventure. We've kept the 90 day adventure open um, since COVID started. We may not have that forever because I really, really do believe in the year-long experience, but it's there now and The purpose of flow is to hold you accountable to the life that you decide you want. It is dreaming, it is planning, it is doing, it is being. We look at food, wellness, lifestyle, home, family, self-care, spirituality, and work. We definitely have a little side thing that's going on for entrepreneurs. We're probably about 60% entrepreneurs in there. But the real point is that this is a space for... Women who are balancing all that with motherhood. And it is amazing. It really is an amazing situation that I really would love you to come check out if that speaks to you. And what we do is we make time for all these areas so you can really experience the wholeness that comes when we practice balance. Flow can be something that you do because it's the best life coaching deal for the amount of attention you get, or because it's a good deal, you can use it as insurance to actually do the work for the course you signed up for, the program you're a part of, the training you want to do, the coach you've hired, the nutritionist you've hired. We're really there to help you live your life because I don't want Women to hide anymore. I don't want us to just survive. I really want us to thrive. Don't want us to survive. I want us to thrive. And I want you to recognize this is your moment to make the time and space for what matters most to you. And that's what we do in Flow. And we do this because we are literally there for you every day so that you feel more motivated to show up to your life and not just all the things that are in your inbox that you're supposed to do, like all the things. So much of our days can be spent with all the things that feel a little bit out of our control. So if you want to check it out, go to plansimple.com. You'll see lots of links um, and I would love to see you in there. The doors are open for a short window, and then we have our first retreat, which kicks off the experience. All right, let me introduce you to Masami. So Masami Covey is an experienced health intuitive, somatic practitioner, functional nutrition therapy practitioner, yoga therapist, positive neuroplasticity practitioner, and applied linguist she believes that we are our own primary healer. She has so much experience. And the reason I asked her here is because she really brings together East and West. She's half Japanese and and then grew up in here in the United States. And she brings together these two pieces so beautifully, and she brings together the left and the right brain, and she really also brings together the science and the spirituality, and she does this in a way that really helps us find and create our own wellness, and you'll see today that she explains things so well. So with no further ado, let's get Masami on the show.
0: Masami, welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today and that we are doing this because we have been doing this. We've done this a few times and here we are back again. Finally for everyone to hear.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited too. And then you know it's always what second time is what is a charm or something. Like oh, that? So I think a- they say third. So let's not curse ourselves. <laughs> oh third, um- <laughs> okay, this is a good one.
0: <laughs> we don't we don't want to do this again. We're <laughs> going to do this once for these people. It's going to be great. So I have like come to this i feel like knowing like an understanding of just how important my intuition is in terms of like how i live my life and so i wanted to like unpack that a little bit with you because you are constantly guiding people towards really being led by their own intuitions and we are in such a noisy time in our existence and I just feel like that is the tool that we all have to really live our best lives and help our kids live their best lives and all the different things. So let's just, let's just dive in. Like, tell us a little bit, tell tell me a little bit, like, I know that you say that in order to hear your intuition, you really have to be able to get quiet. So can we just talk a little bit about what that means?
2: Yeah. Well, I think the quiet and and also means stillness. It also means pauses, right? Yeah. Pauses. And, I love that word. Mm-hmm. We've got to push that pause button, not just mute button, but mute it and pause it at the same time. And we just haven't been experiencing that all as collective. I mean, think about it. We were all in our homes. We were social distancing for over a year and so on and so forth. But all of us have been bombarded with tremendous amount of emails, tremendous opportunities actually online also to take this course, that course. And, and just so many people have been having to work at home as well as being a mom, as well as children at home. I mean, it's just, there's been so much that's just with the people with children, but even people like me, I don't have children. But I have, I cannot believe the amount of work I've been doing and no pauses. But what happens is that when we don't create stillness and pauses, it actually impacts your brain, brain health. And I think that's important that we understand it on the physiological level first, then we can go into the intuition side. Because when you don't create pauses, stillness, and just a quiet time, then the, Brain part, especially the brain stem, and it's the reptilian part of the brain that is like a lizard. Think of it a lizard lizard has a hard time being still, right? It's just like always like hunting for something, <laughs> going for this. And but we have to even ask the lizard part of the brain to sunbathe occasionally and just sit still on the beautiful rock and enjoy the vitamin D coming in. But if we don't do that, we become really activated in the fight or flight or freeze mode. And that's really, really hard because the brainstem part, which is also connected to the autonomic nervous system part, is scanning for danger or something not going right four times every second. Okay. So it's like over 200 times in a minute, your brain is scanning for, is this dangerous? Is this dangerous? Is this going to be okay? Is this going to be safe? It's a very busy, busy active. It's just part of the brain. And it's a somewhat non-stop. This is why our human brain part needs the pauses to let the brainstem know we're good now. We're okay. We're not getting hunted down. We're not being in, in danger. We're not in ice age right now. We're all right. And when we do that, the quietness to come in that's when we can actually hear our, our own inner wisdom. So mm-hmm. intuition to me doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm a health intuitive and I work with intuition all day long, but um, it's not something that comes outside of me that often. There are signals and guys and um, universal voices that I do receive also, but the most of my w- inner Intuition actually comes from my inner wisdom is what I call it. Yeah. We can't hear it if you don't quiet down, but that requires one, quiet down the reptilian part of the brain and pause and create the stillness. Then the inner wisdom is always whispering to us. You'll be able to hear that whisper. So I'll pause here for a moment. <laughs>
0: mm. I love that. I love that. Um, the pause. And it's funny because, you know, I, I've, I feel like even on this podcast and definitely in life and classes, obviously I've heard about the reptilian brain, but I love the visualization actually of the lizard who never moves and that he or she can just go sit on the rock. That's just such a good visual of
2: mm-hmm.
0: why it's like, why that brain is so busy and why even it needs to like sit still. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about, so, I mean, you're a health intuitive, so you're helping people figure out, you know, what's wrong or, or how to deal with what they already know what's wrong just in different ways. Right. And so I find that that inner voice has really helped me heal my body. It's also helped me heal my kids' bodies at different moments. Like That's the voice that I've, that's been so important. I feel like in those situations and yes, I've hired certain specialists, you know, from acupuncturists to real doctors, but, but that voice is so wise. And I feel like as a collective, we don't know that. And, and as moms, it's like really scary sometimes to like, know that we know best, (laughs) I really do believe that mother knows best, but it's hard to hear that voice because we're so busy and moving all the time and it's hard to trust it. So will you talk to me a little bit about that, like coming into trust that you might actually know what's right for your body and what you need. And, you know, some of the ways that this definitely comes up in our community is, you know, wanting to eat a new way and not feeling like, you know, enough, or like you need more support around that, or like that this isn't working for me or, you know, all those kinds of things, or, um, you know, also just a lot with what's going on in our country right now, and whether I'm going to get sick or not sick and all those kinds of things. So it's like, how do we really use our intuition? How do we trust our intuition? I think that's really the question. And I know you have so many stories probably around how we can do this.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, here's the the stillness comes in, right? And I call it the harvesting pauses. Or harvesting stillness, you know, just like you would go and harvest apples or something in the fall, you know, or harvest um walnuts. I don't know. I, I've never harvested walnuts, but I haven't either,
0: know. but now I really want to. <laughs> Me too.
2: <laughs> Me too. But I think that, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. And um we do need to set the time for intuition to be harvested in that pauses. But without quietness, you won't be able to hear it, like I said. Um, I believe that that we all have intuitions. I mean, it's a, it's a gift that the, we come into this world with not a single person on this earth or all animals, you know, don't come into this world, not having that tool or having that gift. So that's one, but there's so many people that come to me and say, you know, how do I get intuitive? Are there any classes I can take to be intuitive? <laughs> and the fact is, maybe more you sign up for more intuitive courses that the less you're going to become connected to your intuition. So maybe the most important thing is to follow that lizard that is sitting and sunbathing and do the same thing that you can back in the nature, right? But there are two ideas about intuition. And this, is, this comes from where I grew up. So I grew up in Japan. So in Japan, we have the, this language called intuition also, but we have two ways to describe intuitions. And it's important that the, we use both intuitions. Okay, so intuitions. So I'm going to be putting S there. So I call them the two wings system. One is the natural wisdom that is inside us. That often comes more from the gut brain. So many of you that are you know listening to this, hopefully you know this by now, it's that their gut brain, right? There's a There's a heart brain and there's the brain brain. And these are always communicating. But one thing for sure, scientifically, now we know much better about this gut brain is that gut brain will communicate back to the brain brain 80% of the time. So 80% of the signals are going back to the brain using the vagus nerve. So we need to get into the gut brain. Very, very important. So that's where the maybe your true... Uh, God-given, you know, um, natural intuition comes from. That's the first wing. But the second wing is where you want to actually develop some knowledge around certain things. So this is where I think my work has been so um, expanding and I love what I do and I've been exploring and I'm learning all the time and I'm never bored with my intuition and my work is that I learn the science side of it. I read scientific journals all the time. I am very, very educated in nutrition and therapy work and um, trauma-informed work and breathing techniques, and there are a lot of different tools. So I'm always educating myself on that side too. So when I quiet down and let's say if I'm working with a client, client, I quiet down I'm scanning this person's energetic fields and something will say something to me, or maybe a light will flash for me and say, okay, this person is having some issues with, let's say liver. Well, you know, that's nice. You know, I could say to the person, okay, you're having issues with the liver. That was my first wing of the intuition to set, okay, that's the area of the body you need to focus on with this person. But what do I do with that information Mm -hmm. is the second wing, wind, not wind, wing, wing, (laughs) and that's the side that I have to be able to pull up some information from inside me and still filter it through my intuition and say, there are 300 different things I could recommend to this person, but she's gonna be overwhelmed by that. So I need to choose through the filtration of my intuition, still put it through that and give her one to two very practical things Maybe supplements, maybe diet, maybe there are certain ways of living, maybe there are movements, there are breath work, whatever that may be. I have to still filter that through my intuition and give that um, very potent information for this person that will make the most difference in this person's life today. So that's I I hope that's making sense that we have two wings and you want to develop both. So you're not just spiraling in one side because there are a lot of very intuitive people but they don't know what to do with that intuitive information till they really develop the other side so they can go into the knowledge and you use that through the filtration of intuition and give the wisdom back to yourself or to the person that you're working with. And so- I
0: cannot explain this, but so, as somebody who's not quite as studied as you, by <laughs> any, like, I don't pretend to be. Um- what I have found is that, you know, sometimes like, you know, I'll be like, wow, you know, uh, well, actually I can tell you an exact experience. So back at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I had the experience that my intuition just kept telling me like, Mia, something's just not quite right with your body. And my brain and like all the noise around me had just told me the story that when you're 45 and you're in perimenopause, like life just changes and maybe you don't have as much energy and maybe that shows up on your body differently. And, you know, just maybe you're grumpier. like, I had just felt like I just knew, and I'm putting quotation marks up on video. Like I just knew that it was okay to be this way, but inside in my intuition, it was like, no Mia, like there's a better way. So like, that was that one wing. Now I didn't know necessarily how to get out of that, But what's so interesting to me is the second I was like, huh, like, I'm just going to get curious. And then, like, you know, two days later, I was with a bunch of girls and women, you know, friends. And some of them were having the same issues. And somebody brought a book with them that ended up being really informative to me. And then a few days later, I was on the phone with someone who you'll actually hear me talk about this in a couple of weeks on the podcast. And she was like, you can totally fix this with food. And like, she had a way I could actually do it. So it's like, sometimes you might not have that yet in your body, but then all the things that might've been noise, like, just even 24 hours before that first intuitive hit, like what I experienced is then, then you can like be like, Oh, that is sort of a, could have been a shiny object in my inbox or in my life, but actually that's really what I was looking for. Does that make sense? I don't you know. Oh yeah.
2: That makes total sense. Yeah. So, um, you know, you use the word curiosity, that is the key. So yeah. the moment you tap into the curiosity after your initial wing, Of the intuition, okay, that everybody's everybody has okay. That curiosity bridges over to the other wing, and what happens is to me, it opens up the universal possibilities. And this is when you open an inbox or you just google something, and then something pops up. And because the universe is like conspiring with you to say, okay, you bridged over to the curiosity, so here are some of the things, and then something will just really click for you. And that's how it, how it really, to me, how universe works. Okay. Yeah. If somebody asks me, how does the universe work? I would say, keep your intuition open and have your pauses, but also don't stop there, but remain curious to how that's going to unfold. And, and another thing about the curiosity is that curiosity actually creates more um, dopamine in your Mm -hmm. brain. And it really helps with the neurotransmitter production in the brain to calm your brain, to satiate your brain. And it's all about really lowering the inflammation in the brain, right? So when- Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have too much of the reptilian brain, that's like a running around, I mean, it's just, it's going to heat up that part of the brain. So not just the reptilian brain, but mammalian part of the brain called limbic system. And the limbic part of the brain has, maybe you've heard of this area called am- amygdalas. Amygdalas are like danger, 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 kind of a button. It's like something's not great. Something's not going well. It's like a 911 dial that's ready to be dialed, speed dialed. And that part of the brain gets heated up. Like literally, we call it limbic kindling. So there's a fire that happens. But if you could pause and then give yourself a little bit of curiosity, that curiosity will quench that fire a little bit. It will make it a little bit less hot. Then you are able to sit back and logically also to translate some of the intuition that came in non-English into an English language, because you have to remember intuition doesn't always speak in your native language. It (laughs) speaks in, you know, speaks in the colors, shapes and sensations. And there's a lot of visceral sensations we get from that intuition. But that also needs to be translated somehow in your brain the left side of the brain in particular, that would translate those sensations into a language that you can understand. But that bridge often comes from pauses and curiosity. So that was very, very important that you did that for yourself.
0: That's cool. And and so basically, in the fast way, you're basically explaining overwhelm, the emotion of overwhelm. So it's literally like the difference, like you could be in the same situation and overwhelm would do that one thing to your brain and and curiosity does this other thing, literally physio, mm-hmm. like in your body. That's so cool. I love yeah. that.
2: And well, and then the new studies are coming out saying that the overwhelm is maybe our new words of I'm stressed. So a lot yeah. of people are not saying I'm stressed anymore, but they're saying, I'm just so overwhelmed. It's just another way of saying I am so stressed. Yeah. And they've done the MRIs on people with the so-called overwhelmed brains, and they compared that brain with the people with PTSD. And what they found was that they have very similar areas of the brain that is not lighting up or at the areas that are overly lighting up, and they almost look exactly the same. So being overwhelmed, meaning overly stressed, and if you stay in that chronically, which many of us are in chronically, that can end up looking like you're having a PTSD brain. That's because you have this brain that is always on fire. So one way to remove that brain, you know, from uh, preventing that brain from going into the PTSD brain permanently is to pull back and create the pauses, right? And I I love this quote. I actually wrote it up. Um, I wanted to share this with you. It's from Viktor Frankl. It says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. I'm going to mm-hmm. read that again. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. So, so many different directions I could go because you've shared so many good nuggets. So I think I'm going to go with, I'm curious about, there's that word again. Um, So I feel like, you know, as a thoughtful person and mother, like, and a, a person who's done yoga for a long time, I, I definitely like understand the benefit of a good deep breath in that moment where I'm trying to find the pause. But will you, will you explain? Will you go a little into that, like, what that's doing for us, and like why that's working, and when, when, when the breath really uses? Because I feel like that's one of those things that's like so simple. It takes less than thirty seconds. Sometimes we can all do it,
2: yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: we don't, <laughs> we don't always do it.
2: <laughs> right. And, and especially the, you know, we're spending so much time in front of the computers and they're starting to call it the email um, apnea or something like that, or computer apnea. And apnea just means. Cessation of the breath, right? That somebody stops breathing. So we know sleep apnea, which is people stop breathing in the middle of it and they have to kind of take a huge gasps or something like that in the middle of the night. But it's starting to happen to our lives even during the daytime because we're sticking our neck kind of head forward and we're in bad posture. Our rib cages are crushing into the front and then your diaphragm isn't fully open because we sit too much. You know, humans were never supposed to sit this much, first of all. Um, But so I'm going to actually take you on a little bit of journey about this word deep breath versus, Mm. well, deep breath versus quiet and stillness and slow breath. Okay. So there's a huge difference between deep breath and slow breaths. So if I were to say to you, Mia, I say, okay, Mia, I just want you to take a really slow breath, sip on your breath slowly through your nostrils, like a ribbon of golden light coming in. And it's a very quiet. So I call it silent breath. Okay. And it's going through the sinuses. So it's not through your mouth. So it's still and silent and sinus and really slow, slow breath. That gives you a sense of um, like a nervous system shift because when you do that, your nervous system will go from fight or flight or freeze, even to more rest and digest, heal, repair. There's gorgeous there are just so many gorgeous things that can happen in that breath, okay? But if I say to you, okay, Namia, take a deep breath. okay, what happens is that the people gulp the breath, they go, too much into the breath. And it's this huge amount of air that comes inside your sinuses. That's not actually, so deep breath is actually a little bit of a misnomer. Mm. It's, it becomes a, you know, deep breath becomes like a big breath. That's not what we want because big breath will be like, (gasps) like that. Okay, that that's not a deep breath, okay? That's like a that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that doesn't get to the third lobe of your lungs, right? We want to get down to the bottom of our lungs. In order to do that, you want to actually sip on your breath, Silently breathe. Use your sinuses and slow it way down. So I've been doing this work for a long time, and I've been guiding my clients and my um, workshops and things like that by saying, not a not a deep breath. But it's a slow breath. And if we could just shift that, that's going to be a beautiful practice. And then if you add the little pause at the end of your exhales, let's say. So you take really slow exhales. And then at the end of the bottom of your exhale, you pause for a moment. That's when the vagus nerve that's connected to the bottom of your lungs will get activated meaning you can activate your parasympathetic nervous system side which is again rest digest and repair and heal side can kick in but if you're taking big gulpy you know breaths you just don't get there you might take a kind of a you know big breath into the upper lobes but it's the lower lobes that's where we hold old memories old emotions, that's where we hold a lot of like grudges and deep-seated anger, deep-seated resentments, and just the old, even like ancestral feelings, and the karmic energies get stored in the bottom of your lungs. So deep breath, I get the idea, but I think, you know, I'm on the mission to start changing people's language and say, it's not a deep breath, but it's a slow slow breath, which will become ultimately a deep breath that can reach to the bottom of your lungs. So I hope that um, I love that.
0: Well, and just the language of slow and pausing it, it. It's funny, I was taking a breath as you were talking through that. And You know, I wasn't really stressed to come on here because you're such a relaxing person to talk to, but like, you can just feel like, I feel my whole body. I'm standing right now, but I feel my whole body just sort of like relaxing down into the the ground. Just when you even
2: cued that. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. And you know, with that, that slow and steady and really paying attention to the breath that doesn't, uh, if you don't do that, you can't breathe down to your diaphragm, right? And the diaphragm muscle is so important for so many things, including that's going to help you with your lymphatic system, because diaphragm is kind of a pumping machine in a way for your lymphatic system. And lymphatic system is so important for your brain drainage too. So if you're having any anxieties, worries, depression, any kind of inflammatory conditions in the brain, your diaphragm is the area that's gonna really help with the drainage of clearing your brain, that's one. But the diaphragm is also there to constantly, like 26,000 times a day is when what we breathe, okay? That's 10 million breaths per, per year, okay? So what that means is that you're getting a nice massage in your internal organs, because if you look at anatomically, diaphragm is like an umbrella that sits above all your very major organs and it's in between your lungs and your heart. So diaphragm is perfectly situated. It's just like unbelievably amazingly situated to massage your all your organs. And but if that's not moving because you sit too much and because you're not breathing into the bottom of your lobes, then Um, you're going to end up experiencing indigestion, your stomach issues, digestive issues. Um, You know, maybe food sensitivities can start to come up, the liver doesn't get massaged. So then bile doesn't get produced or bile doesn't get released. And um, you may start to experience constipations and so on and so forth. So diaphragm is the key to really keeping your health of all your organs, but you can't, You know, you can't get to the diaphragm if you don't take these slow, deliberately silent and um, very kind breaths that will get you to start moving in that middle region of your third chakra, really. I'm, I'm a huge fan of third chakra. I feel like third chakra gets ignored by all the spiritual teachers. They're like, oh, we're into the heart centers and we're all into the fifth chakra and voicing ourselves. And we wanna get up to the higher chakras and eighth and ninth and seventh, 10th you know, chakras. And I just wanna go, well, what about the third chakra? That's right where your diaphragm is. That's what gives you your self-esteem. That's the center that it collects 10,000 suns from all the cosmic suns and gives you this light and the power to digest life, digest information, digest your karma, digest your ancestral traumas. I mean, it's an incredibly important area, but guess what's happening to our third chakra? It's just dwindling in its power because, because of what, what we eat, because of how we eat, because of our rushed through lives, not enough pauses and not enough breath that will take the awareness down to the third chakra. Yeah. Ooh, I love that.
0: All right. So it's funny. Cause it's kind of circular. Like at first I was like, Oh, I should have asked about breath first. Cause that seems to lead to the pause, but actually it seems like maybe we need to pause in order to remember the breath. So it's all kind of like a circle thing. So as we're pausing and breathing and able to really access our intuition, how do we how do we listen like like so like what what feedback are we looking in terms of our bodies and like taking care of our bodies and the food we're taking in like I just feel like there's so much noise about what we should eat, how we should eat it, when we should eat it, what we should feed our kids, how we should eat ourselves, you know at different ages and you know, I find many people get very overwhelmed by all the information, rightfully so, because there's a lot of it. And then at some level, like, so there's a, I feel like there's, and, it, and I, you know, I just shared my story of, um, you know, understanding that I needed something different, and then finding the answer. Um, but how, mm-hmm. how, how do you tell us more? Mm-hmm. Tell me how
2: that works. Yeah. I mean, that's a giant topic on its own. in its own. I know it's like a whole podcast episode. It, it is. But, um, I think there are maybe three things I would want to address is one, we do have to remember there is such thing as bio-individuality. Yep. So bio-individualism or individuality means that where you come from, where, what seasons you know, what, what kind of a climate did you grow up in? Um, what are your ancestors' diet were like? Or And so for me, it's very different, right? Because I'm half Japanese and I have like more of a Mongolian descent. So I do not do well with things like alcohol whatsoever. And so even like recommending kombucha to me will be a very deadly thing for me because I get tipsy just drinking um, literally two (laughs) tablespoons of kombucha and I'm like tipsy. I can't drive home kind of a thing. So just to say blanket statement, say, Hey, kombucha is great. You know, fermented foods are great. Well, no, not great for me because it really messes me up. Okay. So there's one. And I love eating seaweeds and I love eating like cold water fish, like macro and things like that. They're very good for my body. But let's say if I just had you Mia eat nothing but seaweeds every day, you are not going to do that well with it either because you didn't grow up with the microbes that digest the very hard to digest seaweeds fiber. But Mm -hmm. I did because I, I have Japanese in me and I ate those things since I was a baby. So I get to digest them a little bit better than you can. But then I'm half basically Norwegian, Finnish, German and French. So gosh, you know what, where we go with that, right? And Can I eat some, you know, dairy occasionally? Yes, but not very good with the cow dairy, but I can do some goat cheese sometimes, you know, things like that. So it's really, you've got to be, again, coming back to the curiosity, stay curious, notice what's happening to your body. That's number one, right? Um, And, you know, at the same time, there are certain, I think I would even call it rules, that we, we really all need to be following, which is don't eat pesticide-heavy foods. I don't touch any GMO foods. And in, sure, it's a personal choice, but I'm not going to eat GMO foods. And I'm not going to eat foods that are um, gluten-heavy because I don't do well with gluten, and so on and so forth, right? So you will have to figure that part out. And I don't do well with corn. Um, and particular things like beans, I have to be a little bit careful about how I cook them. And then another component. And um, and can I
0: just interrupt you there? Like, and so, for example, like my husband hmm. is Colombian. Mm. So he probably has the bean digestion thing down, right? Because it's like generations yeah. of beans exactly. probably got given to them by the time he was six
2: months, right? So okay. Exactly. So, you know, we have to, to just by saying, Well, somebody says, Well, I can digest it, therefore you should. Well, no, remain curious and not between yep. bridge and place. And then you got to check in with yourself, but also someone like me that has already um, expressed autoimmune conditions like MS. Um, I have to be very careful about how I prepare certain grains and foods. I have to soak them. And if I soak them and if I cook them correctly, then yes, I can consume some of that. But that's, you know, something that you have to experiment with. So it does require your your participation. And the last thing that, you know, I really wanted to mention is that respect the seasonality of this mother Gaia, you know, this earth. Please respect the seasons and respect the season of your own life. So if I'm working with people in their seventies and eighties, which I do, um, they need to be respecting their season of their lives. They might be going into the late fall into winter of their lives. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe their diet needs to change from what they used to do when they were in the middle of the summer in their life seasons that's going to be very different. So some people say, well, I used to be able to eat anything I wanted in my twenties and how come I can't? Well, you know, and then they're kind of upset about it. It's like, well, you know, there's such thing as seasonality. We can't always be doing the same workouts. We can't always be doing the same thing, but we are very confused, particularly in the Western world in terms of disconnected from our seasons because blueberries are available all year long. What, right? Yeah. I, I lived in Minnesota when I moved from Japan. That's why I have a Minnesotan accent. But you know, I used to go blueberry picking, and that would only happen at the end of August, right? So I know when blueberries are available in this part of the country in the you know northern hemisphere. But we can eat blueberries from everywhere all year. Well, sh- but just because it's available, should you? you know, yeah. so I think this is where the pause comes in, right? pause for a moment, think a little bit, use that brain, the frontal cortex, you know, prefrontal cortex, use the human brain to incorporate some of the information and knowledge that you have about the seasonality and say, hmm, just because blueberry is good for me, should I be eating this in November? Or people that will juice like celery juice or um, melon juice in the middle of the winter, when those foods are considered to be very cooling in Asian uh, practices. So in Japanese medicine, Chinese medicine, they're called yin foods. Yin foods are so cooling to our system. Okay, if you're in the middle of the winter snowstorm, should you be drinking that kind of thing? I don't because that will really impact my thyroid, that's going to impact my adrenals, that's going to impact my metabolism. So I don't do that. So those are the some some things that you might want to look at. And I said that that was the last thing I wanted to talk about. But I I teach a lot about muscle testing, and -hmm. coming back to your more embodied muscle testing. I don't use pendulum. I used to decades ago, but I don't because I think your body is your own pendulum. So I don't use other um, accessories to do the muscle testing. But I call it, it's a system that I came up with, and I call it 4 H system. And H stands for first H is the head, Mm -hmm. second H is the heart, third H is the Japanese word hara, Mm -hmm. hara, hara, hara. Is, means gut in Japanese, and then hands. So I use four H's to come back to the embodied self. So let's say if you're picking up a, an orange, let's say in a grocery store, you hold it with your hands, You maybe you smell it, you touch it. So you know what that feels like viscerally on your hands. Okay. Then you Tune into that information that's coming from the orange in your head. And your head might say, oh, oranges are great for vitamin Cs. Oranges are great for, you know, uh, blood sugar, maybe if you're dipping. Or oranges are great for uh, vitamins X, Y, and Z. And you might be telling yourself a very intellectual information. So your head will say yes to it. But is your, your gut saying yes to that orange right now? So I usually bring the orange down to my belly and I let my body decide. Am I leaning forward? Then that's usually yes. Am I leaning back? That means no. Then after I have established yes and no based on my body and my hands, my brain might be saying something different. My brain saying yes, my body saying no, let's say. I let the heart come in to become its referee because heart is always cohesive and it's, it's here to be a referee between the head and the heart. And then the heart can come heart can come in and say, you know what, we're going to listen to the heart because heart has to digest the orange for you. And even though the brain loves about this, you know, orange everything that it read about it last two weeks, the heart says, mm, no, I'm sorry. Information. It's great. But, right now we're not in the season of orange and we're not going to go with you head or something like that. So I call it the four H system. And I teach this a lot in my clients and workshops.
0: I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. And it's funny. Cause I I do the pendulum thing. My body is a pendulum. That's a practice I've been using for many years and um, teach it often because it's so weird how it works. Like you lean in, you want it, you lean out. you really, you really don't want it um but i love the the nuance of the four things cuz mm-hmm. you never i kind of am like well was that my head getting in the way or is that really my gut you know you're like I'm always asking a question. All right, so we're going to have to let you go because we're getting to time, but i have one i'm hoping little question because we talked about this really quickly before we came on which is coming up about all these things. So i think everything we talked about and by the way everyone i must will be, be back on because i feel like i could talk to her for days. um just, it's so I I love learning from somebody who knows like all the science, but also can talk, you know, all these pieces because I, you know, I just think the marriage of those things is fantastic. So with all of this, I feel like comes up this idea that there's lots of boundaries to be like, I I just feel like the idea that I can't have the orange or I need to make time for breathing. And like my husband is asking me a question right now, like, just brings up this idea of boundaries, which I think we just fight. Like, I I just feel like as, as, as we think that's bad for some reason. And Mm. can you just give me like two sentences to just like make that unbad for, (laughs) for for people um, listening?
2: Yeah. Right. Because the, the word boundary or boundaries technically means to shield off or create distance or blockages and things like that, which we don't want. Right. Mm -mm, Yeah. Not at all. But the, without the boundary, you don't have intimacy. Mm. That's with the, because the boundary, what gives you boundary gives you independence and interdependence. And in, you find who you are in that you can have actually a much more in-depth relationship with the others. Um, it's, uh, two opposing, seems like opposing truths. But what boundary practices teach us is um, that we live in, dich- in a, not, not dichotomy, but the, in the paradox that we are always both and, you know, and, and I think we've lived so many centuries of our human nature, human history to be in either or kind mm. of a. You know that um, it's it's either you're a winner or a loser, or it's black and white, or it's good or bad. But what we're getting into, what we're coming into as evolved human beings, and hopefully we're wising up a little bit, is that boundary practices teach us to be in both and, so you can hold your place clearly and know when to respect yourself, when to say no, when to say yes, by having that, you can love other persons so much more and deeper and respect when they say no also. So you have to hold the paradox. And that's what the boundary practices that I'm beginning to teach more and more of is the both and, because I think the boundary practice has been so outdated these, you know, up to this point, it's all about blocking, all about removing, all about cleansing, all about uh, re- removal of something and, and
0: fixing, right? It's like that yeah. fixing energy. Yeah. 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 And
2: it's not, it's really about coming home to yourself and embracing the beauty that is inside that is independent of all other things that you are this self then you can go out into the world knowing that you belong in this home. Then you can respect the others are all trying to do that too. So boundaries will bring intimacy back into yourself because you have intimacy with yourself.
0: I love that. And it is very opposite, I think, of the energy that we're operating from, especially when we bring up that word boundaries. So I I love that. And it's I think it's a really important thing to that concept is really important to explore as one is trying to add all these practices into their life of listening to their body and listening to their intuition and taking breaths and all the things that we've been talking about today. Mm -hmm. So thank you. So
2: tell us where to find you. Tell us what's, what's coming up, what's going on. So you can go to masamicovey.com. My name MasamiCovey.com and find all those offerings that I have. I have some, um, I do often free calls on Mondays, so you can sign up and join. And I also have two really powerful and um, to me, um, so exciting, such exciting programs coming up. So one is actually about the art of embodied boundary practice and how to upgrade boundary practice for your holographic anatomy. So what that means is incorporating, like I said, head, your heart, your hara, and your hands. And then really come back home to what is it that your inner wisdom is saying. So we're not just practicing boundaries from our head. Or sometimes just from your heart doesn't work because heart has to come last. Heart is the referee that's watching the game of soccer game unfold or something, you know, and then it's coming in, right? So you're going to be learning that in that um, workshop. I do go into archetypes. And archetypes are so much fun because boundaries come in. We are, we're not just a single person, right? I, anytime, you know, even in this um, interview with you, podcast with you. I have about 12 or who knows, 16, you know, 18 archetypes that showed up in the same place. And right. so we're, we're always contending with our memories, our, um, our patterns from childhood and whatnot. So they all are coming into this place. So getting to know your archetypes. That's part of that workshop. And then the other one it's coming up in May. And this is something that I've resisted teaching for a long time, but I've decided to do it. And it's called the alchemy of receiving and releasing. And it's all about breaking through weight loss resistance. So oh, it's not that. about, yeah, it's not a quick weight loss program, but it's a, it's working through the resistance of letting go of the weight that is not just body weight, but emotional weight could be psychic weight, it could be psychological weight, and it could be the ancestral trauma weight. So that's, that's what I'll be working on in May.
0: Ooh, that's powerful. Cause then it's about so much more than just whether you're eating your kale (laughs) or your (laughs) celery juice or whatever it is. (laughs) got it. You got it. Awesome. Well, we will link up to all that in the show notes and thank you so much. This was, I just, I hope really helpful to everyone listening.
2: Thank you for having me, Mia.
1: At the end of every episode, I always choose three doable changes so you can take what you've learned and put it into action because action is where real change happens. And the cool thing is action doesn't have to be huge. It can be the little things that add up over time. And that's what we're aiming for around here. So yes, at the end of every episode, I always give you three options of doable changes that you can implement into your life with the idea that maybe you'll choose one this week and really lean into it, really figure out how that thing fits into your life, into your schedule, so that you can really make it your own and make it a habit that you don't always have to plan for. So one thing at a time, and you will make really big shifts in your life. So here are three doable changes from my chat with Masami. Number one, come back to your breath. You can come back to your breath 26,000 times a day. Don't you love that number? Not that you have to focus on every single breath, of course, but that just shows us how many opportunities we have. So take the opportunity to focus on your breath. Give attention to your exhale so you aren't taking in more than you release. And remember, Masami explains that there's a lot of us who in our deep breath aren't actually going slow and deep enough. So think of that slow, deep breath and hold it, really focus on that pause. And do that several times throughout the day. Maybe you take five breaths at a time and see how that impacts your life. This is one of those ones that really is so easy. We all know the impact, but so many of us, myself included, forget to do it. By the way, a phone alarm is a really good one to make this a doable change. On Sunday night, you would just go in and schedule a repeated, really pretty sound to go off three times a day. And when that happens, you do your five breaths. It's so simple. Okay, number two, is this good for me now? Close your eyes and bring something that you're thinking about having. We talked about food in this episode, something you're having to your head and ask, is this good for me now? And really focus on the now. Notice first what your mind is saying. Notice if your breath changes when you bring this thing to your mind, when your mind is saying yes or no, just notice what your body's doing. Then bring the thing lower near your belly, your hara, and ask the same question. And notice if you lean away or toward the object, right? This is the sign of whether your gut really wants you to have this. Usually if we lean toward it, it's a yes, away is a no. And then if your mind and your gut are telling you different things, let your heart be the referee. And just start to see, notice the feeling in your body or what you see when you hold this thing to your heart. And if you don't feel the answers right away, just keep practicing. Remember, so much of what we talked about today is really about the practice, not getting to this place where you know all the answers like ahead of time. That's just not how life works. These are all ongoing tools that you get to practice. Number three empty out for intuition. This has been one of my most life-changing tools, I have to say. So if you're, quote unquote, snacking all day, whether on food or information or anything else, think of all the things we snack on. I love that metaphor. You won't be able to hear your intuition. It's simply too noisy you need to make space to empty out, even if it's just a little. So try making a no snacking zone or a pause zone. This might mean a break from eating, a break from screen time, a break from answering emails, just put your phone away, a break from social media. When you walk walk without a podcast. That's such a good time to really tune in to the quiet and just what's naturally around you. What would creating quiet and emptying out for intuition look like for you? Really think about this for you. And remember, again, I'm not talking about instant fixes. So try it again and again and again, and start to see what these quiet pauses start to produce for you. I can pretty much promise you'll start getting just these little whispers of what's next for you that are so fun to hear. All right. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple podcast.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit healthymomsmeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms. Get new recipes and tips and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.